Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, then we're going down to verse 3. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Amorites, came to do battle against Jehoshaphat. Going down to verse 3 and 4. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judea. So Judah, Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Going down to verse 15b, Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Going down to verse 17 in part A of that verse, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Going down to verse 20. So they rose early in the morning, and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and, should, and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. Verse 22, Now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Siri who had came against Judah and they were defeated. They were defeated. The title of my message I want to share with you this morning is the Lord will make you rejoice over your enemies. The Lord will make you rejoice over your enemies. Now, I want to clarify a few things that I, I know that in this story, we're talking about a physical enemy. We're talking about three different nations that come against Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel and came to do war against them and to challenge them in battle to take over their land and to take over their possessions and to take over what they had. But I want you to understand that even though we may not be in a situation that we're in a physical warfare, that we're being threatened to lose whatever we have yet we are in a war because we're in a spiritual war against one who is seeking whom he may devour on a daily basis he wants to steal what you have he wants to destroy your family he wants to steal your health he wants to steal your vision he wants to destroy your dreams he wants to tear families apart he wants you to give up on God and upon your relationship so he wants to take what God has anointed and put in your life. So you are in a war this morning and I want to do this kind of as a parallel of what happened here but yet what we're facing today. You see we find here that King Jehoshaphat had got word that the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Siri were coming to attack him and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem. 
He got word they're coming. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know how he was going to handle this. So King Jehoshaphat was afraid, of course. And he made preparations to seek the Lord. And he had to ask for help from the Lord in this situation. And he did two things. First of all, he called a fast throughout the land. He said, I want everybody to push the plate back. I want everybody to sacrifice. I want everybody to crucify the flesh. I want everyone to seek the Lord. I want your attention toward heaven. I want you to be focused on the Lord. And then after he had proclaimed a fast throughout the land, he gathered all the people together from Judah and Jerusalem. He called them all together. And when I read that, I couldn't help but think about in the time we're living in, if there's ever been a time that the people of God need to be called together, if there's ever been a time that we need to come together in unity with the same purpose, the same vision, the same dreams, and we need to come together focused and knowing in our heart that we're in a battle and we're in a warfare, but we're in these last days and the devil don't want you to prosper. He don't want you to grow. He don't want you to mature. He don't want your family to grow in God. He wants to destroy that, but I've got news for him. In these last days, the church is going to rise up like a mighty marching army and we're going to come out with victory on the other side because we're not going to let the devil put division among us. We're not going to let him distract us with little fires over here and little fires over there and little things that distract us over there. But we're going to get our mind focused on the Lord and we're going to go forth like the mighty marching army that we are because we're God's anointed. We're not here by happenstance or by accident, but we're here together. And then Jehoshaphat stood in the house of the Lord before the people and he began to build their faith. He called them to, he called a fast, he called them together, and then he gathered in the sanctuary in the place of worship, and he began to work on building their faith. He wanted to remind them who their God is and what he had already done for them. Sometimes we get so caught up in our circumstances and in our problems and in our distractions that we lose sight of who He really is. We need to be reminded sometimes that He's the one that has opened the doors when nobody else could open the door. He's the one that brought the money in when we didn't know where the finances was coming from. He's the one that's healed our body when the doctor said it's over and you ain't going to make it. We need to be reminded that God's still in control and that God's still a deliverer and God's still a healer and God's not dead this morning but God is still very much alive and he's real. Jehoshaphat began to remind the children of Israel. He began to say, Oh Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? In your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you, that no one can overpower you? He said, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham who you said was your friend forever who is our father? 
Did you not give them this? Did you not tell them that they were going to receive this? And then they've received the inheritance that you have gave them. And they've come into the promised land and they have dwelt in it. And they have built you a sanctuary in it for your namesake. That there would be a place that we could come together and we could lift up your name. And we could call on you and we could commune with you. Did you not give us this? Is this not a gift from you, Father? He said, we have built this thing because if disaster comes upon us whether it's through a sword or judgment or pestilence or famine that we will stand before this temple in your presence and have the assurance that we can cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear us and you will save us. God is this not what you have done for us. You see after Jehoshaphat reminded the people who their God is then he asked God this question he said will you not judge them God will you not judge them are you not going to judge these people that have come against us he said now here we are the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Siri who you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and did not destroy them. When we crossed over into the promised land that you gave us you wouldn't let us destroy the the Ammonites, the Moabites or the people of Mount Siri. You told us to turn and go the other direction and now here we are in the land that you gave us standing in the house of God that we worship you in here we are dwelling in your presence and they have come and rewarded us by our mercy they've come to throw us out of your possession which you have given to us as an inheritance he said our God will you not judge them For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are looking upon you, Lord. We don't know what we're going to do. We don't like the report we got. I didn't like the messenger's message when he came into my chamber and said there's three nations that have gathered together to come against you and they're going to destroy you and they're going to take what you got and they're going to take over the kingdom. He said, I didn't like that report. I didn't want that report. That's a report I didn't want to hear. And God, now here I am and I don't know what to do. I don't know what steps to take now. But all I can tell you is uh, I'm standing in the middle of my inheritance uh, in your house uh, and my eyes are looking toward you uh, because I'm calling on you. Uh, Somebody this morning uh, needs to realize uh, that even though the circumstances don't look good, uh, even though the doctor's report don't sound good, uh, even though the enemy thinks he's won, uh, you're standing uh, in the house uh, of the Lord uh, where the inheritance of God is at and you're not defeated but you're victorious by the power and the anointing of the Lord Mm -hmm. 
I don't know about you, but I'm not one that's just going to roll over and play dead for the devil. But I do ask this question this morning. I ask this question. What direction is your eyes looking this morning? What direction are you looking? You see, the enemy wants you to get all down and depressed about your report. Anybody that studied depression will tell you that there's outer body language that affects you just like there is on the inside. When somebody is dealing with an oppressive, uh, uh, depressing spirit, they begin to bend over. They begin to look down at the floor. They feel no longer worthy to raise up their head. They feel like nobody knows and nobody understands what they're going through. Nobody knows what their life's like. Nobody understands the pain they're in. Nobody knows how discouraged they really are. You just want to put on a smile, but you just don't feel like it. You just can't muster one up. And that's what the devil wants you to do this morning. But I got news for him. I'm not going to bow my head. I'm going to lift it up to the hills and where my help comes from. Woo! Mm. You see, I like what the psalmist David wrote in Psalms 121 and verse 1. He said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved, and he who keeps you will not slumber. He's not going to take a nap. He's not going to go on vacation. He's not going to give up. He's not going to roll over for the devil. I got news for him. I might have a bad report. Everything may look like the odds are against me. The devil may think he's won. But I got a God that I'm looking to for my deliverance. I'm looking for my healing. I'm looking for my miracle. I'm looking for the power of God to take over in my life I already have it down in my spirit I've already got it on the inside I've just got to let my body catch up with what I know in my spirit and when my spirit connects with my body then my body and my spirit is going to receive a miracle because there's a healer in the house You see, Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel was in circumstances they didn't know how they were going to handle. All they knew is where they were looking. And they were looking toward heaven. But as they're looking toward heaven, and they're calling on God and They're petitioning the Lord and they've been fasting and now they're gathered together in the same place in the inheritance of the land that God gave them standing in the house of the Lord that was dedicated to lift up His name. Here they are. 
But the Lord God, the Lord gave Jehoshaphat and all the people the assurance that he was going to give them victory. Here they are. They've gathered together. They're in the house of God. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon a young man in the congregation named Jehazel, who was the son of Zechariah. And this was the word that came out of his mouth. He said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. But you will not need to fight in this battle, but position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go down against them for the Lord is with you. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Position yourself. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. There is not a question about it. There's not a guess about it. He said, I'm with you. And he said, I just want to remind you not to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Mm. And don't be dismayed. But go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now, King Jehoshaphat gave the people instructions as they were making their way to the location where the battle would take place. They got the assurance they needed through the prophetic word that came from the Lord. Tomorrow is here. It's already here. It's come. They banded together. Now they're on their way to the location where the battle's going to take place. You're going into the deep depths of the fiery hot. Mm. You're going to the front, front lines of the battle. Tomorrow, you're going to the front lines of the battle. Mm. But then he said, So they arose early in the morning, they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said to them, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. In other words, he's reassuring them of what they heard yesterday in the house of God. He said, if you believe in your prophet, believe in him, and so shall you be established. In other words, stand on what God spoke to you, and God's going to bring it to pass because God told you, and I'm not a liar, but I'm going to go through with my word. Somebody needs to trust the word of the Lord this morning. That God does not lie. But God said, I'm going to give you miracles. 
and I'm going to give you healing. And then when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. Now can you imagine? Here's the children of Israel. They're going down to the wilderness of Tekoa where the battle's going to take place. King Jehoshaphat gets their attention. He said, listen to me. This is what I want you to do. I want all of you men of valor that has been raised with a sword in your hand or a spear or a shield, I want you to go to the back of the line. And then I want my singers and my musicians and my praisers to get up here to the front because when we go out, we're going out singing. Now, I want to stay here for just a moment. You see, we don't think that that would make good logic. That's not good sense. You're going out to where there's three nations of people that's gathered together collectively and in, has intentions of going to war with you. They didn't come to sing. They didn't come to worship. They come to fight. And you're going to take the men of valor and put them in the back and you're going to bring up the singers and the praisers and the musicians in the front of the line. King, what are you thinking? But you see, Jehoshaphat knew what the worship of God's people does. And there's some, even here, that you don't comprehend what's happening here makes the difference in what's happening out here. You see, we, we think we just come together on services and we just throw a couple of songs out there and we, we pick a few that sound good, got a good swift beat to them and we can tap our toe to them and we can wiggle and jiggle a little bit and we can sing and we can lift up our hands and we can give our Holy Ghost shake of our head and we get all stirred up. But I got news for you. There's more to it than that. Number one, there's been people and there's been leadership that's been praying all week long before that service ever got here about what that choir's going to get up and sing because they want to sing under the anointing of God just like I want to preach under it. We think singing in the choir is entertainment. It's not entertainment. I'm glad it makes you feel good. I'm glad it moves you. It's supposed to. But we've got to realize that the preparation of singing and praising is what opens up the channels to our spirit and our mind and our heart for us to be able to receive from the Lord. What they're doing up there is not entertaining you. They're not trying to show off how good they can sing. They're not trying to be boastful about their talent. They're not trying to say, look at me. Listen to what I can do. That's not what they're there for. 
And if they was up there for that, I'd set their tail down. Because they don't need to be up there for that. That's not what they're there for. They're there to lead us into the presence of God. That we can be prepared to receive and to be acceptive of what God is going to do in the anointing. It's to prepare the spiritual channel of our spirit to open up to the Lord. It's not there for your entertainment. There's too much prayer, preparation, practice, uh, and anointing that goes into it for you to come in on Sunday morning and be entertained. It's not to entertain you. Some of y'all already figured it out. I didn't come to entertain you this morning. I come to preach. I know some of you can get off of your soapbox because I used the word tail a while ago, but that's all right. I have to speak plainly to some folks. You see... Jehoshaphat knew what God was about to do. I believe he had received instructions. I don't believe that after he got that prophetic word in the house of the Lord and he, he got the instructions of what was going to take place and what they needed to do, I don't believe he went home that night, curled up in the bed, pulled the covers up, curled up in his pillow, and went quickly off to sleep. I don't believe that happened. Because I believe he cared about his kingdom more than that. And I believe, now this is just Kimberly theology now. You can accept it or not, but this is my opinion now. I believe he went home and I believe when he got in his chamber, I don't believe he slept that night. I believe he sought God all night long. I believe he was calling on the Lord that night saying, God, I need you to direct me as king of this nation because I've got lives hanging in the balance and I don't want to see my people destroyed. I don't want to see our possessions taken. I don't want to see our homes taken. I don't want the house of God that we built to be destroyed for because of pagan people and pagan gods. I've got to have an answer. I believe he sought the Lord. And I believe that's why that he came to the people as they're headed out to through the wilderness of Tekoa and he gave them the instructions and he said, God said, bring up the singers and the praisers to the front of the line because we're going to go out singing. We're going to go out praising and we're going to be declaring praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. We're going to go out declaring praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. I believe he went to he went out that morning saying, I've been prayed up and now I know what we're going to do and now we're going to do it. But let's look at this a little further. As the people began to sing and praise God, he moved against their enemies and brought victory to his people. Look in verse 22 of that chapter, you'll find, Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Siri, who had came against Judah, and they were defeated. I don't know what they were hearing. It doesn't really go into detail. 
But it made them so disoriented that instead of fighting the Israelites, they turned on one another and started killing each other. And when they're supposed to be fighting Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel, but instead of fighting them, they turned on each other and killed one another and nobody escaped. Nobody escaped. Now, there's something else that the Lord laid in my heart I want to just mention real quick. I thought about this. King Jehoshaphat, he could have looked up to the Lord and he could have said, God, you know I've been a faithful king. You know that when I became king, that I destroyed all the idol gods that was in the land. I built you a house of worship. I built you a place for your people to come and dwell in that we could be in your presence. I've done all the right things. I feel like I'm a righteous person. I've done right by you. I've I've honored you. I've done all the right things. And God, why did you let these nations come against me? Why did you let this come upon me? That's the mindset that we get in. We get to looking at the things that comes against us. And if we're not careful we'll get in the wrong mindset because we'll start thinking God why did you let this come on me I've done everything right I've served you all these years I've fasted I've prayed I've taught Sunday school I've sung in the choir I've held positions I've come and cleaned the church I've been here when nobody else was God I've been faithful why did you let this come on my life why did you let this happen to me And then we roll that on over into a a grumbling, griping, uh, feel sorry for yourself song and dance that we get caught up in when, when we really hadn't caught the glimpse of what God's trying to do. But I'm glad Jehoshaphat didn't do that. But I want you to look at this. When they begin to sing and begin to praise... They turned on one another, they began to kill one another, and they were defeated. Now as King Jehoshaphat and the people reached the place where the battle was to take place, they saw the results of God's power moving in their behalf. Can you imagine what they thought when they got to the hillside on the horizon overlooking the valley of Tekoa and they looked down there and they're already started the fight and they've already started the war and they're killing one another and they're throwing spears at each other and they're stabbing each other with swords and people are falling left and right and left and right and they ain't done anything except standing up here on the hillside watching all they did was come to church and sing a few songs all they did was get anointed in their singing all they did was be obedient to what God told them to do King Jehoshaphat didn't get in this poor pitiful me story He said, God, I don't know what to do, but I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk to you and see what you want me to do. And then he followed the instructions. But let's look a little further. When they got there, they saw what was going on. They saw all the dead bodies of their enemies lying on the ground dead, and none of them escaped. 
Then when they went down from the top of the horizon, they were watching the battle from, and they began to examine through the bodies, they found among the bodies an abundance of valuables and precious jewels so much that it took them three days to gather all the spoils. <laughs> now look at this. What they thought was a destruction, what they thought was a tragedy, what they thought was a, a mishap on God's part because He let these nations come against the children of Israel, Look how God turned the tables. God not only gave them victory and they didn't have to lift a finger, but God brought them so much finances that it took them three days to take it back to their house. I don't know about you, but I got a new pickup out there. It's got a pretty good sized bed in it. And if God will just rain down enough on me that it takes me three days to get it back to the parsonage, I'll be fine. But I got news for you. This church will be fine if he rained that much down on me. <laughs> Woo! We wouldn't owe no gym payment no more. <laughs> Woo! We wouldn't have any payments anymore. We'd be debt free. But there's so many times that we get caught up by looking at the storm that's on the horizon that we think God's let us down and we think God's failed us and we think God's fell short and we think He had a weak moment and God didn't come through like He said He was when God's just needing you to stand. Didn't He tell them to position themselves? He said, get in your position and stand. Make up your mind. I'm not stepping back. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm an overcomer by Jesus Christ. And He lives in me. And greater is He that lives in me than he that's in the world. I am an overcomer. They found so many valuable things that it took them three days to get it all together. God not only gave them victory over their enemies that came to destroy them, but God took care of their financial needs by giving them all the spoils that the enemy had brought with them. Now that's another thing that don't make any sense. If you know you're going to do war, you're going to only take with you the things you need to do battle with. Why did these three nations bring jewels and valuables and possessions and all that? I got news for you. They brought it because God's people needed it. He just made the devil transport it so it didn't cost them any postage. They didn't have to pay any freight charges. They didn't have to pay for it being shipped over there. They delivered it for free. But now here they are. They've got victory. Their enemies have killed themselves. They found all these spoils. It took them three days to get it all together. 
Now, I know what some of us would do. It took us three days to get it home, and we can't wait for the fourth day to get here because we're going on a spending spree. We're going shopping, girls. Woo! Look out, shopping malls, because I'm about to hit you with a big shot. But that's not what they did. On the fourth day, the fourth day, after they took three days to get all the wealth home, on the fourth day, they assembled together and they blessed the Lord for giving them victory. They weren't concerned about the shopping spree they were going to go on. They weren't concerned about what they were going to do with what they found. They were glad they had it. It took them three days to get it there, but they knew who brought it to them. And they said, we got to bless the Lord. we got to magnify God. So the fourth day, they assembled together, and they blessed the Lord for giving them victory. King Jehoshaphat and all the people returned to Judah and Jerusalem with great joy. There had been great sorrow that had came upon the land. They thought destruction was coming. They thought slavery was possible. They thought of losing their family members. They thought of losing their possessions. They thought of losing their homes. They thought of losing everything that they had gained by going into this new promised land. They had been under a heavy burden. They had been under a heavy load. There was a weight on them because they were fearing destruction. But then it said King Jehoshaphat and all the people returned to Jerusalem and Judea with great joy. Then they returned to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. You may be in a dogfight right now. You may be in a scrap match right now. You may be under the gun right now. You may feel like that you've got a heavier burden on your life than you've ever had it before. But if you will keep your mind and your heart focused on the Lord, God inspired and quickened my heart and my spirit that He would restore your joy. And if He's going to restore the joy, that means He's going to take care of what burdened you down whether it's a negative report from a doctor, whether it's a problem in the family, whether it's a problem with the business, or whether it's a problem with the kids, whether it's a conflict with your wife or your husband, or whether it's a conflict with a neighbor. God said, I'm going to remove the burden, and I'm going to put you in a place to where you're going to have joy. And if you're going to have joy, it means you're going to have an uplifted spirit. And if you're going to have an uplifted spirit, that means you're going to feel good you're going to feel like praising you're going to feel like toast tapping you're going to feel like singing a new song you're going to feel like giving the Lord praise you're not going to just sit back and hold on and say I ain't going to praise today you're going to jump up and down you're going to take a few laps around the building you're going to get out of your seat and you're going to say I praise the Lord my God that healed me and delivered me from my burden and lifted me up and anointed me I'm going to praise him Mm. 
But you know, when they came in to Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, they didn't just come in singing. They said, boys, we're going to do this right. So when they came into Jerusalem, they came out with the stringed instruments. They said, bring out the stringed instruments. Bring out the harps. They said, we want the trumpet players to blow the horns. And we want to go to the house of the Lord. And we want to magnify and glorify the Lord. Because God has restored our joy. God has brought victory. God's healed our land. God's moved in our behalf. God has blessed me financially. When I went out to war, I didn't know if I was going to make my house payment or not. But when I got out there, God gave me enough to take care of paying my house off. I didn't know where the light bill was coming from but when I got out there in the war and I obeyed God God brought a blessing in my life and now my light bill's paid. There's groceries on the table. There's a financial blessing in my house because I obeyed the Lord. We're going to go just a little further, and I'm going to stop if the Lord let me. God not only showed them His power, defeated their enemy, brought financial miracles into their life, restored joy by relieving them of the burden that they had, but God gave King Jehoshaphat and all the people rest and peace throughout the kingdom. When you read in verses 29 and 30, it said, And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave rest all around. Some of you have been fighting in the battle so long You're afraid that every time you get a little reprieve, every time you get a break, every time you get a breakthrough, you can't enjoy it because you're waiting on the next cloud to make the horizon. You're waiting on the next wave of the storm to hit. You're waiting on the next bad thing to happen in your life. You're waiting on the next tragedy to make itself on the scene and become known. But God said, if you'll just trust me, I'm not only going to bring you out better than you were, I'm not only going to going to find victory in your life. I'm not only going to bless you financially. I'm not only going to restore your joy and relieve the burden from you. I'm going to give you peace that the devil can't destroy and he can't raise his head up again and he can't torment you any longer. He's going to give you peace and joy and rest because God is in control and there's no devil in hell that can destroy the peace that God's going to bring in your life. A scripture that the Lord put in my heart several weeks back was Nahum 1 and 9. He said, I will utterly destroy affliction it will not rise up a second time. I will do away with the affliction that has come upon you 
and it will not rise up the second time. That scripture has become part of my spirit in defeating the enemy that once victory comes, the devil's not going to be able to drag things back up. God takes care of things once and for all. And God's going to take care of things in your life once and for all. And I don't believe for a second that God laid this message in my heart just to tickle your ears this morning. I don't believe He laid this message in my heart this morning for me to be able to say, hey, I came in and preached this morning because we had nine services of revival and there wasn't one sermon preached. That's not what this is about. God gave this in my heart because God wants you to know what He's going to do and what He can do in your life if you will only allow Him. God can do the impossible. Everything may look like it's against you. Everything may look like it's a disaster in the making. Everything may look exhausting. Everything may look overwhelming. Everything may look like you'll never see a light at the end of the tunnel. But God's saying, I've got rest coming. I've got peace coming. I've got victory coming. I've got blessings coming. But the problem is, are we willing to position ourselves and stand in here until it gets here? You've got to position yourself, church. Something that the Lord spoke through Brother Trotter one night of the revival. He said, the Lord wants to know if you want it bad enough. When you want something bad enough, you position yourself. You plant yourself. You get ready. You know the blow's coming. But you're planting. Your leverage is in place. You're ready to take the hit. And it's not going to knock you off your feet because you're determined that you're going to stand your ground. Doesn't mean you ain't going to get hit. Doesn't mean he ain't going to come at you. It just means it ain't going to have no effect. We've got to learn to stand our ground. We've got to learn not to panic in the face of adversity and the face of what looks like tragedy. I trust in God because I've seen him over and over and over and over and over in my life of what God's brought me through. And if God can do that for me, God can do that for you. God can do that for our church. God can do that for your circumstances. But I'm going to say one more thing and I'm going to I'm going to close. The people were brought together. And not only is that a time that I believe we're living in now that churches and the body of Christ needs to come together but I believe that it's also pointing to a time that family needs to come together 
Guys, you need to hold your wife closer than you ever have. Ladies, you need to hug your husband more than you ever have. Parents, you need to love your kids more than you ever have. Don't take for granted that just because you give them a lot of stuff and they wear nice clothes and they have pretty much anything they ask for that they know you love them. They need to hear that from you, Dad. They need to hear that from you, Mom. It don't matter about what you can give them. That don't tell them you love them. You can give them everything in the world, but that ain't saying, looking dead in the eye, hey, baby, I just want you to know that your daddy loves you. You're the most important thing in my life, and I'm not going to let anything hinder what God gave me. If there's anything God's instilled in my spirit over the last two months is the importance of not wasting a moment's time in loving your family. Because there's not one of us that's guaranteed what tomorrow's going to bring. I'm not going to live my life saying, I wish I'd have said this, and I wish I'd have done this, and I wish I'd have done that. I'm going to live my life saying, I've done this. I gave it all. I loved my wife. I loved my children. I loved my grandbabies. I loved my church. I loved my people. And I love my God with everything I've got.